welcome to the IPSO podcast. We are IPSO, the Independent Press Standards Organisation, the independent regulator of newspapers and magazines in the UK. These podcasts are for anyone who is interested in newspapers, journalism, the media and, of course, IPSO's work. My name is Rosemary Deuce and I'm your host today and we're going to be talking about court reporting And today I'm very pleased to say that we're joined by a guest, James Preston. And James, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself. Uh, Hi there, I'm James. I'm the digital and print editor of Bayless Media. Um, So we're a Berkshire-based publisher, um, one of the few um, totally independent publishers left in the UK. And we publish the Maidenhead Advertiser, the Slough Express and the Windsor Express. So I've been editor for about four years now and I've been working for the publication for about 10. Great well welcome to the podcast. Um, As I said today we're going to be talking about court reporting and you may have noticed that we've recently published some guidance for journalists and editors about court reporting and how to comply with the editor's code of practice which is the set of rules that all our member publishers must follow. One of the reasons that we've produced this is because covering court cases is a really important topic, um, particularly for local papers. So, James, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about why journalists cover court cases and the important things to bear in mind. Okay. uh, yeah. Um, So it all goes back to this principle of open justice, um, which is such a vital part of our society. So justice has to be seen to be done uh, and it needs to be transparent for the public to trust in it. Um, of course, um, reporting court on court obviously makes people aware of crime in their community, uh, who's committed to these crimes and um, the circumstances behind it, and that's very important for the public to know that. They have a right to know who is being punished for a crime and they also have a right to know when the innocent are wrongly accused. Um, reporting court holds a mirror up to our justice system. so. It shines a light on all aspects of, of that that system, from the police investigation to the judiciary to the laws that the government is making. And if you look at the debate that happens in our society and so much discussion that you see on social media about whether punishments are harsh enough, um, about whether there needs to be specific um, criminal offences for, for certain actions, whether there's any ever any justification for committing a crime. You wouldn't have any of that without court reporting because you wouldn't know what's going on within our court. So it's so vital to improving our justice system, holding it to account and making sure people see that justice is being done. Great. So as I mentioned, um, this guidance has been structured around the editor's code of practice um, and there are several clauses which can relate to court reporting. One of these is clause one about accuracy. Um, perhaps you could tell us something about what journalists should consider relating to accuracy and why that is important. Uh, yeah, so I suppose the first thing I would say is um, make sure your shorthand is good enough. Um, so uh, we always say to our reporters that they would need to have that 100 word per minute um, shorthand before they go into court. Others take a slightly different view on that. Um, but. Um, it's really important that you take um, contemporaneous notes, that you um, they are very clear, that you can refer back to them, that there's never any ambiguity. Uh, you need to make sure that everything's dated and that, and I would say just um, check and double check 
um, and triple check again if you can. Um, I think it's a little bit of a challenge um, for a lot of um, young court reporters these days because we don't have as much court reporting as perhaps we used to. Um, that's for various reasons. Newsrooms are under more pressure. Um, journalists are more time poor. Um, and the pandemic um, over the last two years hasn't exactly helped things. So a lot of reporters might not be used to going into a courtroom um, and uh, court reporting does improve over time if you, if you practice makes perfect, basically. So you just need to make sure that you know your media law, you know what, how it applies, and you need to just be able to refer back to everything that you do. Um, particularly with issues like the defendant's name, uh, their um, street address, so you can you make sure you very verify who they are, um, and the offences that they're accused of. That, and it's very important to, to check that all throughout the trial. Um, they may change over time. Court cases, um, particularly, again, because of the pandemic, can take two years before they come um, before a, a judge and a jury, and things can change during that time. And it's your responsibility as a journalist to check that. Yeah, I was going to ask about the pandemic because I imagine that has led to a lot of changes in how court cases are covered or how journalists can actually attend them. Yeah, so um, you can attend court cases remotely now, and that is. Um, perhaps a little bit of progress, I would say, in terms of how things have done, but we do still prefer to attend in person where possible um, for a variety of reasons. I think um, it's, I think it, you get a better idea of the bigger picture in terms of what's going on with a court case. You get a better idea who's there. You can speak to the barristers and double check on all their details. You can speak to the ushers and double check on all the details while you're there. You can do that over the phone. You can do that while you're... Um, watching a court case remotely but I think it, it helps from an accuracy point of view to be there and to be there taking a record of what's happening. Great. Um, one thing we've noticed at Ipso is that some of the complaints we've had about court cases have been where journalists haven't been able to attend in person and they've relied on a press release perhaps from the police or another source. Is there anything in particular that you would say about relying on press releases? Yeah, I think um, they are helpful. They are, you know, as I said, um, journalists are very time poor. They can't always get along to court cases. Um, but I think at the same time, um, you're not going to get a complete picture of what has happened during the court case from a police press release. You will get um, basically the details of, of the charges and, and, and the sentencing and the comments from the police based on their investigation. But as I said, things can change over the course of a court case. Um, and people are fallible and people make mistakes when they're um, um, publishing these things and, and they are published by experienced press officers who generally do a very good job um, but occasionally there will be inconsistencies uh, maybe that's in um, the details about the defendant the details about um, the charges um, or there may be things that you notice that um, don't quite comply with the media law that you know. Um, example I can think of is that I've, in the past, I've had to ring a police press office um, because a uh, a release about um, someone convicted of sexual offences, I thought perhaps went a little bit too strong mm -hmm. on potentially identifying the victim. Um, and it's your responsibility as a publisher to check on those things. Do just because it is coming from um, 
a reliable source and because it's privileged don't just take it as read and say well the police have said that so i can publish it if there's something that's inconsistent you need to double check on that make sure it's right and wait to get an answer and i know people are really in a hurry to get things published but if there's something that isn't right it's always worth double checking taking your time over it and making sure it's right before you go and publish Great. Um, you mentioned court cases about sexual offences, and I imagine these are some of the most sensitive and difficult ones to cover. And you mentioned about anonymity, because um, as people listening may be aware, that victims of sexual offences are automatically granted anonymity for life. But we do occasionally see potential breaches of the code and Um, times when this may not always be followed. What would your advice be for journalists to really bear in mind when covering these sort of court cases? I I would say always have in your mind that the anonymity of the victim comes before anything else and Mm. it's natural for a journalist to think the story comes first and you know I need to make sure that I can get in the best story that I possibly can Um, but occasionally there'll be a case that you'll be covering and because of the complexity of it because of the potential identifying factors it might be a familial link or something like that um, you're going to have to you'll be going to be quite restricted on what you can say Um, and the temptation might be for some journalists to push the boundaries as much as they can to get the good story out of that but I would always say think very carefully about the pool of people that could be potentially Identified and the choices that you're making in terms of what you're saying about the victim. Are you saying their age? Are you saying the town that they live in? Are you, you know, what what are you going to say about this person that makes it relevant to your readers without identifying them and saying, okay, well, I'm narrowing it down to perhaps ten people who who you're going to be able to guess potentially who this person is. Um, and of course, the other thing you need to take into, take into account is um, jigsaw identification, and that's where, um, as people may know, um, one publisher might say one thing about the victim, another publisher might say another thing, and between the two stories, you can figure out who they are. Um, I think the most important thing from this point of view is just talking and talking to rival publishers, um, which may not come naturally to some more competitive publications, but. Um, the best thing that can happen is when you go to a court case that involves a sexual offence and it's the first day of the trial or, or something to that effect and you're there, your rival publication's there and agency's there so pretty much everyone who's going to cover this case is there and during a break of proceedings the journalists all sit, sit down together and say okay well what are we going to say and you all come into an agreement and, and generally there's no disputing there because, because people understand the law and there isn't a problem. There can occasionally be a case where um, other publishers may be unaware that you're also covering the case, and then in that case you need to just be careful and just look at what you're doing. If possible, um, try and communicate before any publication comes out. Um, There may be a case where you um, put up a story with the details that you think are right, and then another publisher puts up a story with different details and you look at it and you think okay well that potentially creates a problem so it would be very easy in that case to just say well I published first um, they published after me 
they've got to take responsibilities for their actions and they do need to take responsibility for their actions but you are both responsible for what's happening and it's not helping the victim in any way if you're just sitting on your high horse and saying well my hands are clean so I think there needs if that happens you need to have a conversation and you need to resolve it as quickly as possible I think editors need to be talking about this journalists need to be talking about this and just make sure that it doesn't come to two different sets of stories being published that are potentially going to create a problem. That's really interesting. Thank you. Um, on a slightly lighter note, we get complaints here at Ipso from people who have been photographed arriving at court or their name has been published and they complain that this is breaching their privacy or it's harassment. Um, most of the time this is not the case um, as I'm sure you're aware and I believe this is something that a lot of newspapers get complaints about as well. Um, do you have any sort of particular advice perhaps or things to say about the subject of uh, photographs of people or putting people's names in the paper? Yeah, yeah I think um, I think the court snatch photo, the photo outside court is... is um, one of the great traditions really of local newspapers and newspapers in general and I think um, there is a public interest in identifying someone who is accused of a crime and um, I think there is a public interest in, in photo photographing them outside of court. You have to make sure you do it correctly. Um, obviously you can't take photos from within the confines of the court so you need to make sure you're in the right place and you need to, there is a line to be drawn just because someone doesn't want to be photographed and I think most defendants who are accused of crime do not want their photos splashed all over the newspaper it's not enough to say it's harassment because we have a right to photograph someone in a public place and it's in the public interest but there is a line that can be crossed in terms of, of what people are doing in terms of chasing people and that side of things um, I suppose you also have to think a little bit as well about um, what court reporting restrictions might be in place. Um, this most often would apply to someone who is a witness. Um, very occasionally it applies to defendants. I think probably maybe the most obvious example is if, and I suppose the most obvious example there is if the uh, defendant is a, is a child and there's an, um, an anonymity order in place. Um, so you have to be, bear in mind what the various court reporting restrictions are. Um, a lot of publications will take a photo off social media if they can't get a photo outside the court, if, um, for instance, the, um, the defendant's been remanded in custody. Um, there are considerations that you need to take into account for that. Um, is it just the defendant in the picture? Is there innocent bystanders um, potentially in that photo that you, you've chosen? Uh, you need to take into account copyright law, of course, in terms of what you're taking. And you also just have to remember the fact that please, please get the right photo because people have made mistakes with people having the same name in the past and and it's not, not good to uh, put a photo up of someone who has been accused of a crime and get the wrong person. So. Yeah, that's really interesting that you've said that because we have actually recently had a complaint along those lines. So um, that's a definite uh, reminder for any journalists out there to check the names of uh, people. So um, before we finish, is there anything else that you feel is really important uh, for people to know about court reporting? 
Um, I would just say, to, if you're a young reporter and you've got your 100 word minute shorthand and you've got your media law, uh, just do it. Just, just go and do court. It's, it's one of the best things that you can do um, as a journalist. And it can be very daunting to go into a court. It's a very serious place to go. Um, and it's very and it has a lot of um, conventions that you might not be familiar with but um, as I sort of mentioned earlier the more you do it the better you get at it the better you get at picking up uh, the little details that people want to read about um, there aren't as many opportunities as they used to but if you do get a chance go um, magistrates courts can be just as interesting if not more interesting than some of the crown court cases um, they may be uh, lesser crimes, so to speak, but um, the, the details behind them are, are no less interesting. Um, and the other thing I would say is be really nice to court staff because they will give you tip-offs, they will give you details that you think um, that will help your story. Um, court involves a lot of waiting around. Um, you, you could be sit, sat in a waiting room for, for hours on end and if you've got a friendly usher or a friendly member of court staff, they'll come and let you know and say you might want to come back in a couple of hours or something like that. So, and they'll help you with getting the most accurate story you can possibly can. So uh, be nice to staff, go to court as much as you can, um, and just always remember your media law. So. Brilliant. That's been really interesting. Thank you so much for your time, James. Um, Ipso's court reporting guidance is now available on our website, and if you have any questions, you can get in touch with us. Um, hope you've enjoyed the podcast. You can let us know what you think on Twitter and Facebook or by emailing us. Mm-hmm.